0: In the 2016 election, the Washington Post found only four documented cases of voter fraud out of 135 million votes cast. It was 0.00002% of total votes.
1: This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. To support the work we do, get commercial-free versions of every episode, and occasional members-only bonus content, visit the Contribute tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from Start Making Sense, The David Pakman Show, The Other Washington, The Bradcast, and Democracy Now!,
2: Now it's time to talk about voting rights, where we stand now. For that, we turn to Ari Berman. He's a senior contributing writer for The Nation magazine and a fellow at The Nation Institute. His award-winning book, Give Us the Ballot, The Modern Struggle for Voting Rights in America, is out now in paperback. Uh, Ari Berman, welcome back. Thank you. With everything going on in Trump land, sometimes it's hard to focus on the fundamental issues and voting rights is certainly fundamental. We want to talk about where we stand with voting rights at this point, where the battles are, what challenges we face, how we can prepare for the 2018 midterm elections. The Democrats need to win, I think it's 24 seats in order to retake control of the House. That's the plan. But in order to do that, Democrats have to be able to vote. We know the Republican strategy for a while now has been vote suppression. Democratic victories depend on voter turnout. Jeff Sessions is our attorney general. Uh, What has he done since taking office about voting rights?
0: So I think it's important first to note that Jeff Sessions has a very long record of opposition to voting rights, which makes him quite unique as an attorney general. We've never had someone who became attorney general and had previously prosecuted civil rights activists for voter fraud, which Jeff Sessions uh, did back when he was a U.S. attorney in Alabama in the 1980s. 80s uh, he's someone who said that the gutting of the voting rights act in 2013 was good news uh for the south uh, when he was nominated as attorney general he was asked uh to refute Donald Trump's lie that 3 to 5 million people voted illegally and S- Jeff Sessions said I don't know how many people voted illegally <laughs> which was not exactly a, a very clear refutation of what Trump said and the, one of the first things that tr- that Sessions has done as Attorney General, has been to reverse the Justice Department's position in the Texas Voter ID case and argue that that law was not intentionally discriminatory, uh, which was very, very significant because uh, if Texas's voter ID law is found to be intentionally discriminatory, and there's a trial over this in February, then Texas may have to once again approve its voting changes with the federal government. So this was just the first thing Sessions has done, and it was kind of forced upon him because uh, the court was going to have a hearing. But I'm fully expecting there will be uh, lots of bad positions uh, taken by the Justice Department on on voting rights, and on many other issues uh, going forward under Sessions.
2: Well, Texas has been one of the worst states in trying to limit voter rights. Of course, it's by no means the only one. Where are the other uh, battlefronts right now?
0: So just stepping back a little bit, uh, 21 states since the 2010 election have passed new restrictions on voting, whether it's voter ID laws or cutting back on early voting or shutting down polling places or purging the voting rolls. And, you know, this has happened across the country in important swing states like Florida and Ohio uh, and Wisconsin, and then in sort of redder states like Texas. And 14 of these new restrictions were in effect for the first time in 2016. And we saw a depressed turnout in places like Wisconsin and North Carolina because of this uh now we're in a situation in 2017 uh, some of those states are still pushing forward with new restrictions and other states are getting in on the game uh so uh right now there are 78 bills to restrict voting rights in 21 states uh, and a few states have already passed new measures. Arkansas just passed a voter ID law. Uh, they had tried to pass a similar law in 2014 but it was struck down by the state supreme court as unconstitutional. Now they're trying again. Uh, Iowa, which is under Republican control, has passed legislation uh, to uh, require ID, uh, also uh, to cut early voting to eliminate straight voting, so that's a state that has previously not done these kind of things. That that went for Obama twice and now went for Trump in in twenty sixteen. So. That's another place I'm looking at. But there's a bunch of bills in, in a number of different states. That's just at the state level. And of course, the dynamic that's now different is there's also a different regime federally. So before you had the Obama administration who was fighting back on this stuff. You had, it, at the very least, divided control of Congress. So Congress was out of the game. Uh, now you have Republicans in Washington who are supporting these state efforts. And, and that's what's new and disturbing here.
2: Well, I know the ACLU and other voting rights groups and projects are challenging a lot of these restrictions in court. Some are succeeding. A lot of them are not succeeding. But there's also a a parallel effort to help voters get the ID they need. What can you tell us about this effort? And is it going to make sufficient progress between now and 2018? I
0: think there's been a few different ways on on which these efforts to suppress the vote have been combated. As you mentioned, there have been a lot of lawsuits filed. Uh, the ACLU and other groups have had some success in places like Texas and North Carolina. Those cases, though, remain unsettled because a lot of them are on appeal. A lot of them are on appeal to the Supreme Court. Uh, the Supreme Court has deadlocked four to four in a lot of these cases, so Neil Gorsuch could be the deciding vote to uh, make sure that voting restrictions in North Carolina and Texas and other places are allowed to go into effect, which I think would be catastrophic for voting rights in those states. Uh, At the same time, there are a 100 federal court vacancies that Donald Trump is going to begin to fill. So when you're talking about court of appeals, district court decisions, those could go another way. So that's why the judiciary is really, really important here. And I'm really concerned about what might happen under Trump. There are efforts underway uh, by groups like Vote riders by Project Vote and others to try to help people get the IDs they need. I observe these efforts up close in states like Wisconsin, where they had organizers on the ground. They did a good job, but it's very, very difficult work. I mean, the people who, for example, might not have the, the, the right voter ID, uh, these are often uh, people from underserved communities, people at the lower end of the economic ladder, and they need a lot of help. Uh, this sometimes requires multiple trips to the DMVs. You have situations where People don't have birth certificates or they have errors on their birth certificates, and it's very, very difficult uh, to get the documentation. So uh, this can be extremely time-consuming work. Uh, it's really important organizing, but when people say, well, let's just get everyone the ID, I mean, it's not nearly as simple as you think for those people that don't have it. And that's just one component of, of this problem. So I think we need to see a lot more attention, a lot more funding for this work going forward.
2: And of course, while voter ID has gotten probably the most attention, there's also been the changes in polling place, the reduced number of polling places for minority communities, student communities. Uh, Where do we stand on those tactics? those tactics
0: are ongoing. And and that's what I always try to bring attention to is it's not just voter ID, because a lot of people are hung up on this idea that everyone has the ID and you need it for all this other stuff. And what's the big deal? And, you know, I've pushed back on that in a lot of different ways, talking about how not everyone has the ID and the laws are written in such a way like in Texas, where you can vote with a gun permit, but not a student ID. So clearly seems like there's some other motives here. But even if you accept that voter ID is necessary, then you still have to think about why would you cut early voting, which is very popular among party lines? Or why would you close polling places? Which nobody uh, wants to do, or uh, why would you purge the voting rolls without notifying people in advance? That kind of stuff is also uh, going on here, uh, and, and and these efforts are are ongoing, and a lot of times we don't have advance notice of them, uh, and the you know there's a number of of states. In 2018 and in 2020, that are going to be competitive, that are going to have these efforts uh, going forward. So uh, it's not just voter ID; I think it's really, really important uh, to look at. That's what always gets the headline, but there's a lot of other things going on here.
3: Let's talk a little bit about voter suppression in Wisconsin in 2016, uh, 300,000 registered voters or about 9% of the electorate didn't have voter IDs that adhered to Wisconsin's pretty strict voter ID laws. We now have a new study by priorities USA and it argues that Wisconsin's voter ID laws reduced voter turnout by 200,000 votes. and disproportionately affected black voters and Democrats, 200,000 people not voting because of voter ID laws. Donald Trump won Wisconsin by only 22,748 votes. Simple math that most of us can do suggests that the new voter ID laws pushed by Republicans, including in Wisconsin, may have given Donald Trump Wisconsin in the 2016 election the the study contrasted voter turnout in states with similarly strict voter ID laws to states without such laws. We have a a chart that we can put up for you related to this. And as you can see, the states that made no changes to their voter ID requirements saw turnout go up from 2012 to 2016 states that changed to go to less strict voter ID laws also saw an increase in turnout from 2012 to 2016. And as you can see at the bottom line, states that changed their voter ID laws to stricter laws saw a nearly 2% decline in voter turnout. That's something that Republicans like because Republicans do better when voter turnout is lower. Let's now go Pat to our next graph throughout the entire country. The study estimates that strict voter ID laws suppressed about 400,000 votes, again, disproportionately afflec- affecting black people. And the study compared numbers between Wisconsin and Minnesota, a state with similar demographics to Wisconsin, but no strict voter ID laws. And if you're looking at this graphic, the green line is black Minnesota voters over recent elections. And as you can see, turnout just ever so slightly lower in 2016 than in 2012. Uh, And if you look at the yellow line, you will see that black Wisconsin voters uh, had significantly voter turnout from 2012 to 2016. This isn't the only study that says this, it's consistent with a GAO study from 2014, which showed that yes, strict voter ID laws affected the 2012 election enough to change election results, suppressing young and minority voters. Of course, this is the case. This is what these laws are made to do. This is what Republicans want. This helps Republicans win. Remember this video damning video from Pennsylvania state representative Mike Tarzai in 2012
4: voter ID, which is going to allow governor Romney to win the state of Pennsylvania. Done.
3: Right. It's not a secret. They've been honest about this for a while. Lower turnout is good for Republicans or just for the more conservative candidate that's running. Yeah, it's hard to believe that they support voter IDs just out of principle and not because they know it'll give them a benefit in the upcoming elections. 31 states ask for some form of ID at the ballot. 15 ask for photo ID and bills that would intensify voter ID laws have been introduced in 19 states so far this year. Iowa and Arkansas have already passed laws like that in 2017. But again, Solutions to problems that don't exist voter fraud the way Republicans describe is not a problem There were something like you were saying pat four instances of in-person voter fraud during the 2016 election And three of them were Republican voters I mean it's so statistically insignificant and those four cases fall far short of the three to five million people that Trump claims voted Illegally in that election (laughs) right yeah as as if we still are going to pretend that there was even a chance that that was a real thing Uh, We should also be be voting on weekends or at least have an election day uh, be a federal holiday. I've mentioned that before, but you've got to make the IDs easier to get. People say, hey, the voter IDs are free. Uh, That's not really true. Very often you need documents in order to get the voting ID that you have to pay for copies of. Very often people have to travel uh, and often uh, which has costs to the place where you can get one of those voter IDs and also many people who work hourly jobs during business hours have to take time off from that job in order to go and get the ID. And that's money that they're going to lose. And not only that, it's, they could also get fired in a lot of hourly jobs. You can't just say, I'm going to go get a voter ID. Give me time off. There are repercussions for that. Yeah. And those voter IDs have to be completely free because otherwise it violates the 24th amendment, which yep. bans a poll tax. If a Republican says, how hard is it to get an ID? You're just trying to get more minorities to vote. That's also not really a criticism like, are, are you arguing it's bad for more people to vote? Are you saying it? We would be better off if our representative democracy was only representative of a smaller portion of the people in the country. Republicans know that they can't continue to win on policy alone and they have to keep voters as white as possible. And that's what's behind a lot of these proposals.
5: did you have to take off this year to cast a ballot? Uh, well, oh,
6: man, uh, I had a hard time finding the stamp in my wallet. And, which is
5: where you keep your stamps.
6: <laughs> which is where I keep my stamps. And you
5: only have them for voting. And I
6: only have them for voting because Washington is one of three states now. Uh, which is an all vote by mail state, uh, which means that we get our ballots in the mail. We fill them out on our own time. We put a stamp on them. We drop in them in the mail or we drop them without a stamp in a, uh, in a drop box and your ballots are counted. There's no waiting in line. There's no broken polling machines.
5: You don't have to go anywhere. I voted in my jammies this year with like a hot toddy in my hand. Paul, did you take off any time to vote?
7: I did not. I, uh, I voted in an evening. I sat down with the voter's guide that was provided to me and went through and made choices based on that. And so you uh,
5: also got to have resources with you, which yes, is the other great thing. It's an resources open book test. It yes. is an open book test. Yeah. You get to have your notes and you yes. can like. Google and I look had at the stuff. Google. Yes. Yep.
7: Yes. And I did. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a, snail mail guy. I like, I like mailing things. So I always have my Batman stamps. Uh, although now I have some <laughs> Wonder Woman stamps on my fridge, uh, <laughs> that I'm, I'm very excited about using. Still with
5: her, huh? <laughs> yes.
7: But I do think that, uh, it would be great if Washington state had postage paid because that, even that is a barrier for voters.
5: Yeah. So that's, I, so. I think that's a really good point. And King County has been experimenting with a little bit of postage page recently. A couple of the really small, like, school, like one on Vashon Island, I think. Um, they've been trying it out to see, um, whether or not it increases voter turnout, which it has. Um, and the real question is whether or not it's, like, worth the cost. But we've already cut the cost by doing Uh vote by mail.
6: You know, uh, to, to, to borrow a title from uh your, your, your guests, uh, your later guest book, we want the best democracy money can buy. And if the cost really? of it is a first class stamp, I think I think it's a bargain.
5: Right. And also, by the way, that's just money that goes from one government hand to the other because it, it's the post office, which I think we all agree is something that we like. Want to keep operational and help yes. support. So, so the
6: great thing for folks uh, outside of the West Coast who aren't used to the whole vote by mail thing, there's vote by mail in every state. In every state, in every jurisdiction, you can get an absentee ballot. The question is, what are your absentee ballot laws? Uh, is it something that you can only do if you verify you're going to be out of state the way it is in my native Pennsylvania? Is it something you can request every time regardless? Or is it something where you can put yourself as a permanent absentee as you can do in some states? In Washington, there's no choice. Everybody is essentially an absentee voter and gets their ballots in the mail. And the great thing about this is that much of the voter suppression laws that you see going around nationwide, voter ID, etc., is intended specifically to suppress the vote. And you can't do any of that stuff with vote-by-mail because there's no polling place. There's no ID to show. You're either a registered voter or you're not. And if by chance your ballot doesn't show up, you've got three weeks. You can request another ballot. You can go online and print one out.
5: You can print it like the day it's like you can print it. I was telling people if you've lost your ballot, like that does not mean that you're out of the game. We make it very easy, even though we don't pay postage for people to vote. I I personally have never waited in line to vote. I have never had to go to a polling place. My entire voting life, I grew up in Oregon and now I'm here. I have been able to mail my ballot in. And the idea that I would have had to Take a day off of my job as a waitress to, to stand in line. Like, I wouldn't have done it. I can tell you that I wouldn't have done it. And so even that, like, the fact that the rest of the country has been so slow to adopt vote by mail, I think is, is very indicative of the larger view about, like, who gets to vote and who can vote. Voting day is not a national holiday you can 't like i would you like i can 't right. imagine calling in sick it, it, it's
6: a it's a it is a crime against our democracy every election day when you see those scenes of people waiting in lines for hours where they have to extend the go to court to extend the hours of the polling places oh, because it's uh, they 've run out of ballots or a machine is broken it doesn 't happen here in Washington state. it never happens here in Washington state. Republicans could take over we have a republican secretary of state it does it still doesn't happen
5: i mean she is trying her damnedest to make it a little harder by adopting a you know, real uh, id but you
6: know our our she, she's not evil by national republican no, standards no no she it's, is not it's it's all relative so one of the first things i think if you made me benevolent dictator i would do is uh, do national vote by mail yeah. where um everybody has the right to be a permanent absentee voter
7: can I just say, though, my favorite part of the voting by mail process, which people who live in states that don't have vote by mail may not know about, is uh, I I I vote the minute my ballot arrives in the mail. Mm-hmm. I send it back the next day. Um, well, I and know where you're going. Yes, you can look up on a website whether your ballot has been received and yes. there's a screen. You get a green check. It's better than the sticker that you get at the ballot so much box. Better. Because it says your ballot has been received and your vote will be counted. And it's such a relief. It was a relief for me in 2016, um, Mm -hmm. you know, before actually election night happened to know that I had I had voted for Mm -hmm. my candidate and Mm -hmm. that my vote had been counted. It was such a relief for me as a citizen. I felt like I was. Yes. You know, there's an extra
6: bonus to that, which is that not only can you look up and see that you voted, the campaigns can look up and see that you voted. Nobody knows how you voted. But they know that you voted, so they stop calling you. Yes.
5: Yeah. If you are done getting phone calls, vote early. Yeah. Well, so I think this is something, I mean, obviously Washington has been vote by mail for some time. Oregon has been vote by mail for some time. What can people in other, like, what do you do if you're in an other, if you're in one of the lesser states <laughs> than out here on the West Coast? Uh If you don't want to have to wait and stand in a fucking line, like in the rain, it's November when you vote. Right. Like in the snow. What do people do?
6: What do they do? Yeah. What should they do? What should they ask their elected leaders to well, do? They
5: should ask their elected leaders well, they should start. ask them for yeah. vote by mail. Yeah, they <laughs> should. <laughs>
6: That's right. Remember, also, the other great thing about vote by mail is it's a paper ballot, which means there is, by definition, a paper trail. There is no way for the Russians to hack in right. and throw a vote-by-mail election because even if you went and hacked the voting machines, you've got all the paper ballots there. They they do a statistical sample. You can do hand recounts of the ballots. And we had a hand recount in 2004 of over 3 million ballots statewide and statistically insignificant number of changes from the original count to the final count.
5: I mean, that's the other thing is it is actually more secure, too. Like, a, a large amount of voter suppression is characterized as being, you know, like voter suppression tactics are, are to make the vote more secure, are to uh, right. reduce. ID. Yeah. Right. Right. Voter ID is to reduce um, fraud. There is almost no better way to reduce voting fraud than to switch to paper ballots. Also, in terms of
6: voters who aren't eligible or voters voting twice and, – and remember you say – we said before you can print out a ballot. You can print out as many as you want. Only the first one they receive is counted. They right. they, they know it's yes. – it, it, there, there's no way to actually mail in to multiple ballots. And sign it
5: and they do check your signature. They verify right. your signature and
6: that – is, That is one of the downsides yes. is that a certain percentage of the ballots are left uncounted because mm-hmm. people – did not sign the – not the ballot, but the envelope.
5: Right, right, right. Because
6: right. this is a, right, a, the a secret ballot. Yep. Uh, they do not sign it or their signature doesn't match. Mm-hmm. So there's maybe – so there are a percentage there. But when you work that into the larger numbers compared to other systems, it, it just works out. So much better and it's, it's so much right. harder to uh, suppress that vote. But I would say, again, on that issue of voter fraud, that there is no record of it. The other reform you should ask for is automatic voter registration. That's something right. we don't have in Washington state, which we should. If you're eligible right. to vote, yeah. you should be able to get a – they should register you for you.
5: Well, I mean, and there's a lot of ways that we could still expand voting um, pre-registration, you know, so that you register before you turn 18. But by the time if you're 18 at the time of the election, you know, you don't have to go like register to vote the day of um, and and yeah, automatic voter motor voter registration. Um, but I th- the hard thing for me is is there seems to be two different views on who should be able to vote. Like that—that's what so much of this voter suppression and 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 requiring people you to mean
7: white people versus people, yeah, of color, and <laughs>
5: and people with money, like people who can drive right. to a point. You know, sometimes polling places are really far out. Sometimes they're you know you vote in the middle of the day when most people have to work. Yeah, like there are so many ways that we make it just a little more hard to vote if you are not a person who has paid leave, if you are not a person who has a motor vehicle, if you are not like. We don't make any attempt to make sure that polling places are on bus lines. We don't make sure that you know like there's no concessions being made and I th- the thing that seems so strange to me is that more working people aren't mad at what a gigantic ordeal voting is for. Them. They don't know any better. Because they don't. Yeah. You
6: know, an interesting history in Washington State, Oregon was the first state mm-hmm. to do uh, all vote by mail. Hell yeah, Oregon. Right. Washington shortly thereafter implemented a uh, permanent absentee balloting so that you could just put yourself on the rolls and anybody could vote by mail if they wanted. And uh and gradually county by county they started individually moving to all vote by mail because it was cheaper and easier than running two different voting systems. But in King County where we live, the largest county in the state and the largest vote-by-mail jurisdiction in the country, all vote-by-mail jurisdiction. What you had for years early on was that the early vote uh, came in – Uh, Democratic because that was the election day stuff that was counted and then the mail-in ballots were largely from what were then Republican suburbs, the red areas of the county. Republicans were voting by mail and Democrats were voting at the polls because Democrats were largely concentrated in Seattle and the Republicans were distributed throughout the county. So Republicans embraced it. They embraced it because it made it easier for Republicans to vote. Once the entire state, except for King County, was all vote by mail, Republicans resisted allowing King County to go all vote by mail because they, they knew they had an advantage there. So you have, have this, you have this example where Republicans know that vote by mail increases turnout. They would just rather it's only their people that turned out. So if you're worried about having your vote counted out in rural America, out in the exurbs where it's harder to get to a polling place, my God, you should be supporting vote by mail.
4: On October 4, 2016, this was last year, uh, in the heat of the, uh, the presidential election, October 4, in Indiana, just before the Hoosier State's October 11 deadline to register for the November 8 presidential election, in which then-Indiana Governor Mike Pence was on the ticket as the vice presidential candidate on October 4, an investigation into alleged voter registration fraud had intensely intensified rapidly on uh, on that day when state police reportedly raided the indianapolis office of a voter registration group and confiscated computers personal cell phones and paperwork according to a report from the intercept at the time the intercept reported that workers at the at the site uh, told them that state police had stopped uh, one person from recording the incident at all and that the group's lawyer uh, had said he was unable to enter the building. State police were investigating at the time the Indiana Voter Registration Project's effort in nine counties across Indiana after claims that the group had fraudulently registered voters. That, according to the Indianapolis Star, Indiana's secretary of state, Connie Lawson, who was a key sponsor of Indiana's 2005 photo ID law that went all the way to the Supreme Court, where it was upheld. uh, She had announced the investigation in September. According to The Intercept, Lawson uh, alleged that, quote, nefarious actors are operating here in Indiana, She said a group by the name of the Indiana Voter Registration Project has forged voter registration serious charges, which, of course, led to these uh, to this raid at the uh, voter Indiana Voter Registration Project's office. Patriot Majority is the uh, DC based group who is managing the voter registration drive in Indiana with uh, with the uh, Indiana voter registration project its leader Craig Virogo, told the uh, told the intercept that it's not unusual that they would turn in questionable forms and flag them to election officials we have gone over this many, many times over many, many years in regard to the ACORN story. You will recall that uh, back then they were claiming that ACORN uh, was turning in all of these fraudulent registrations. It was voter fraud, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the rule of law is that even if you get a fraudulent registration or registration that is defective in some way, you still must turn that into officials. You flag it and say, "Hey, we have questions about this uh, registration form," but you turn it in. You can't not turn it in,
7: right? Because, because as a yeah. voter registration organization, you are not the person who's supposed to decide whether that person gets registered. That's up to the secretary the of state the or the county officials, officials. exactly, so to verify who you are. You don't want some some schmo on the street who's getting paid to do a voter registration to d- drive to decide whether you get to whether vote it's or valid
4: or not. Or not. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, those so, are
7: weasel words. Words, and it's intentionally misleading for them to pretend like there was something wrong with them turning in fraudulent registrations.
4: Yet that's what they were pretending, uh, that there was something, that this was uh, some big scam. And uh, so it, but it wasn't unusual that they turned in those forms. What was unusual, according to election law experts at the time, is for police to raid a voter registration office and take all of their gear and, of course, do so in the proximity uh, to an election, just uh, barely one month before uh, an election, and in this case about uh, seven days before the uh, registration deadline would cut off in Indiana. Dan Takaji, an election law professor at Ohio State University, said that he was, at the time, said that he was worried that such a raid Uh, if it happened in the matter described in the news reports, and it did, uh, that it would have a chilling effect potentially on voter registration drives across the country just one month out from the election. Takaji said, my concern is it's going to intimidate people who are registering to vote. There is nothing that affects turnout on Election Day more than voter registration, Takaji said. Voting, re- uh, voting registration is really the big thing. If you make it more difficult to register, you will decrease the number of people who vote. These sorts of law enforcement activities are extremely worrisome. That's what was going on in uh, early October, October 4, in the state of Indiana. Uh, the next day, according to the Indianapolis Star, Indi- uh, they said Indiana State Police, remember, this is the state police, state police investigators, uh, had searched a voter registration agency on Indianapolis's north side as they look into a voter fraud case that spans nine counties. So now you got Indianapolis Star calling it a voter fraud case, not a voter registration fraud case, but a voter fraud case that spans nine counties in, uh, in Indiana. They reported that police said the growing number of involved counties leads investigators to believe that the number of fraudulent records might be in the hundreds, according to state police. The possible fraudulent information is a combination of fake names, addresses and dates of birth with real information, the Star reported. Uh, According to a state police statement at the time, uh, an investigation of this nature is complex, time-consuming, and is expected to continue for several more weeks or months. Victims of the activities by some agents of the Indiana Voter Registration Project may not discover they have been disenfranchised from voting. So now the police are already declaring that there are victims here, that Indiana Voter Registration Project uh it has you know fraudulent, fraudulently disenfranchised people from voting again this is the state police in the run up to the election just days before the uh the registration deadline in the state of Indiana now we've been you know talking over the well many months about the you know the uh, inappropriate announcements made by James Comey last year because the department of justice uh, has a uh a a rule, essentially, that you do not take these sort of actions just days prior to an election. You don't take, uh, you know, criminal action. You don't file charges uh, in a way that may affect elections. And here you've got the Indiana State Police going out and making these outrageous statements that this group has committed uh, essentially massive fraud. The president, again, of uh, Patriot Majority, Craig Varroga, said because the IVRP... The Indiana Voter Registration Project um, had been specifically referenced in that statement uh, from uh, both the the state police and from the secretary of state that the investigation could likely impede the processing of some 45,000 voter registration cards that had been completed through the organization across the state. And he later went on to say that another uh, 10,000, because they shut them down, they shut this group down at the time, another uh 10,000 or so registrations they might have collected prior to the uh, October 11 deadline last year. He said the IVRP uses quality control procedures in an effort to catch issues with voter registrations. He said any of the applications that had been earmarked as fraud were already earmarked by the IVRP as incomplete or incorrect when they were handed in to the counties or the state. For example, he said if someone transposes digits in a phone number or forgets to fill out their zip code, the canvasser cannot complete that information for them they got to turn it in as is. Verroga said that card would then be flagged before being turned over to the local clerk's office. If they transpose a number and that's inaccurate, that's a mistake. He said that's not fraud. Varroga says he does not know the status of those 45,000 applications, but said the seizure of cell phones and laptops during Tuesday's uh, search warrant impedes the organization from further registering people to vote before the October 11 deadline. The investigation, he said, is a partisan effort designed to make it harder to vote in this election. State Police Captain David Burstyn said at the time that the complexity of the investigation likely means that the work will continue until well after the November elections. He said, we wouldn't be investigating if we weren't still finding issues that are indicative of fraudulent acts. This is not the Secretary of State's investigation. This is the Indiana State Police's investigation, he said. The Indiana State Police, run by who? The governor of the state of Indiana. Who was the governor of the state of Indiana at the time that all of this was going on? That would be now Vice President Mike Pence, of course. Uh, a few days later, actually on October 11, which was the registration deadline in Indiana, then vice presidential candidate Mike Pence, the governor of Indiana, was speaking at a rally in Newtown uh, or Newton, uh, Iowa, uh, where he was asked by a distraught voter who was terribly worried, very concerned about voter fraud, all of these stories they've been hearing, you know, from places like the Indianapolis Star reporting this major effort in county after county across the state of Indiana. From this democratic leaning group who was registering voters. Uh, she was she was very, very distraught about all of these reports. she's hearing wondered what Mike Pence was going to what was going to do about it in Indiana, in Iowa, all across the country. Here is some of her question and Mike Pence's response on that day.
5: Uh, my
3: name is Rhonda Rhonda? Had, I'm on social media every day, all day, nonstop pushing Trump. And one of the biggest things I can tell you that a lot of us are scared of. Is this voter fraud? We are, there's a lot of us that are out here saying that we go to vote,
4: we're going to wear red. Our lives depend on this
3: election. Our kids' futures depend on this election. What what, what, what are we going to do to safeguard our votes? Because we've seen how the Democratic Party is just... Crooked, crooked, crooked.
4: Well, look, I'll tell you, number one, it's, you know, elections are administered at the state level. They are. And I'll tell you, in the state of Indiana right now, we've got a pretty vigorous investigation into voter fraud going on right now. Ooh. And let's make sure that our elected officials are upholding the principle of one person, one vote. And if you are concerned about voter integrity and you haven't signed up to be a poll watcher, to volunteer at a polling place to be a part of the integrity of that process, then you need to do it. Now, of course, I agree with his uh, his call for them to sign up to be a poll watcher, to be a poll worker and so forth. That's fine. But this vigorous investigation into voter fraud, it wasn't into voter fraud. It was into voter registration fraud. And it was at his behest. So he's got this terribly distraught woman asking her, she's so concerned that the election is going to be rigged because, you know, that's what uh, Donald Trump had been saying and Republicans have been saying for years that there's massive voter fraud going on instead of calming her down you know he he just fed it fed into it this vigorous investigation into voter fraud right now and he talked about voter integrity as i have said many times the voters are doing just fine leave them alone if you're worried about integrity it's the integrity of our elections themselves and the way they are run and the way they are counted and the way voters are kept from being able to vote at all and the way uh, state police thugs are sent in to uh, take out tens of thousands of voter registrations in the days before an election, as we saw from Mike Pence's state police force last year in October, before he then went on to to scare them further with this vigorous investigation into voter fraud. That was October 11. That was the day that uh, the registration deadline in Indiana itself. uh, About a week or so later, as Indiana state police were continuing their investigation into the alleged voter fraud issue in the state, one county prosecutor, the county prosecutor who would bring charges in this case, uh, said that the charges, the talk of voter fraud is, quote, without merit. Marion County Prosecutor Terry Curry told the Indianapolis Star in a statement that accusations of voter fraud are premature as the state cops were still investigating. Curry specifically called on investigators to stop discussing the investigation until it is finished. Stop putting out statements, making these claims about this group. Confidentiality, uh, Curry said, to, uh, according to the AP at the time, confidentiality is important to allow investigators to continue their work independently and to avoid material uh, prejudice in the matter. And yet state police superintendent, again, Mike Pence's state police superintendent, Doug Carter, had gone out, had been very vocal about charges of voter fraud. He had appeared on local TV saying things like, quote, there's voter fraud and voter forgery in every state of America. That was a that was the superintendent of the state police in Indiana work under Mike Pence, under the charge of Mike Pence at the time. Mike Pence, who joined in uh, with the chorus on behalf of Donald Trump to claim, oh, you know what? Well, we had to get rid of uh, James Comey because he said inappropriate things before an election and uh, law enforcement officials should never be doing that. They might prejudice the election. And yet his own state police superintendent was doing exactly that. And Mike Pence, no, did not go out and fire him, did he? The way Donald Trump fired Comey months and months later. Curry said in his statement he he was worried that investigators were were making statements uh, about the alleged voter fraud case. This is Curry, the prosecutor. Uh, before the evidence was actually in. And he had encouraged the state police to stop speaking publicly about the investigation until they have finished their work. So this is like weeks after this raid. They have been talking about it the whole time. Uh, they had uh, raided, uh, TPM points out they had compensated uh, computers, cell phones, other records. As they said, they were looking into potential allegations of voter registration fraud. By the Indiana Voter Registration Project, the group focused on registering African American voters in Indiana. Uh, it, now, the, uh, the the Indiana Voter Registration Project uh, had actually hired a group called Target Smart, who who determined that it wasn't their registrations that that were bad. They were coming back and they were getting a lot of bad records. Instead, it was actually old information in the state's voter database. For some 800,000 voters, which made some of their information look like it didn't match. Their new information didn't seem to match the old information. So Desi Doyen, if you had been registered at some address in in Indiana and then you moved and you filled out a form. With, I
7: re-registered as one would normally do with my new address.
4: With this group. Uh, and that got turned in. They'd say, aha, look, they're changing Desi Doyen's address. It's fraud. And apparently uh, they had found, when they looked at the data, some 800,000 uh, uh, old, dead, uh, bad registrations. That happens. People die. People move. They move from county to county. They move from state to state. But they ended up with, you know, hundreds of thousands of uh, of, of bad data in the state's database. State's database. Now, Mother Jones uh, said that the state police had stated in uh, affidavits released after the election that they believed that among the thousands of registration forms the group turned in were some, some that appeared to have been forged. From the evidence presented, it seemed likely that a few canvassers had, in fact, fraudulently filled out applications, but Patriot Majority USA claimed that it was vindicated by the release of those documents uh, in addition to apparent evidence of Ford forged applications, because they showed that the group had the group staff had actually flagged those suspect applications for county authorities. So in cases where you had a worker who a temporary worker who was hired to do registration and they uh, put some information on there that they shouldn't have, the group had flagged it and turned it in. The process worked. Uh, the uh, one of the folks with Patriot Majority uh, USA conceded that it's possible that a few canvassers had broken the rules and forged applications, but that that could not account for the accus- accusation of large scale fraud that was coming out of the secretary of state's office and out of state police. She had said, remember, thousands, she said, thousands of dates of birth and first names were changed, she claimed in a statement back in October of 2016. And yet there is no evidence that any fraudulent ballots were ultimately cast in the state of Indiana. None. And everyone has since forgotten about all of that voter fraud after the election was over, it seems. They forgot about Mike Pence going out and declaring all of this voter fraud. Uh, In late January, the state police finished their investigation. They turned it over to the Marion County prosecutor to determine whether to file any charges. There have been no charges filed contrary to pence's statement a spo- uh, you know about this of uh, all this voter fraud contrary to pence's statement a spokeswoman for the prosecutor's office stressed that the police had not investigated voter fraud they were looking at voter registration discrepancies and that the investigation was uh into uh, was not into fraudulent voting that would be ballots being cast improperly McLeish, the spokesperson, uh, told Mother Jones they had not yet decided whether to press charges. So shortly before leaving office, uh, Mike Pence, uh, when he left uh, the governor's office to become vice president, by the way, he awarded Indiana secretary of state Connie Lawson, the state's highest civilian honor. And about a week or so ago. That office, the Indiana Secretary of State's office, removed about half a million registrations from the rolls because they said, oh, yeah, these are old and out of date. Pretty much exactly what the Indiana Voter Registration Project had tried to tell them at the time, but the deed was done.
0: I
1: You've reached the activism portion of today's show. Now that you're informed and angry, here's what you can do about it. Today's activism, call out voter suppression with Let America Vote. There was some good news this week on voting rights in North Carolina, thanks to the Supreme Court, but the existential crisis still continues. It's no coincidence that by Election Day last fall, the Voting Rights Act had been gutted, there were new voting restrictions in 14 states, and states with histories of voter discrimination had 868 fewer polling places. This is the result of a strategic Republican assault on voting rights, and it's Trump's and the Republicans' long game for winning in 2018, 2020, and beyond. Now, Trump, who six months after the election is still taking any chance he gets to bring up that he won the Electoral College, has launched his promised Voter Fraud Commission. In true Trump style, this charade is led by people formally accused of voter suppression. The ACLU immediately responded with Freedom of Information Act requests to officials in four states and the U.S. Election Assistance Commission. For years now, the right and their Fox News megaphone have been able to sow enough fear and doubt using false claims of voter fraud without any evidence to back them up that Republican voters now see things like voter ID laws as necessary protections to democracy. It's unclear if we can bring them back to reality, but for those ready to take on the politicians, including Trump, who are propagating these lies and suppressing votes, there is a new organization you should know about. Let America Vote was founded by former Missouri Secretary of State and recent congressional candidate Jason Kander. The organization aims to answer a simple question, what if politicians were actually held publicly accountable for supporting voter suppression? Through online and grassroots organizing and aggressive earned media strategy and advertising, Let America Vote wants to play a crucial role among the existing network of organizations fighting for voting rights. They've already launched digital ads during New Hampshire's special elections and called out Karen Handel, the Republican running in Georgia's 6th District, for an almost laughable anti-voter rights email she sent to supporters. Head over to letamericavote.org to get involved by signing up for updates, volunteering to knock on doors, call or email legislators, write letters to the editor, host a voting rights house party, and more. While you're there, check out the interactive map of the U.S. that highlights each state's current and pending voter suppression laws and tactics. You can also follow the organization on Twitter at let underscore americavote. The segment notes include all of the links to this information, as well as additional resources, and as always, this and every activism segment we produce is archived and organized under the Activism tab at bestoftheleft.com, so if protecting voter rights for all Americans is important to you, be sure to hit the share buttons to spread the word about calling out voter suppression with Let America Vote via social media so that others in your network can spread the word too.
6: Activism.
4: out from in front of the television, bust out of your self-imposed media prison. There's a whole big world out there, y'all, and some serious stuff is going down. Civil war intolerance, AIDS obliteration, the usual madness, but not enough frustration about what's troubling Earth's nations. The spotlight will not be your savior in these dark days, and it will not be your saving grace. Why not replace your dreams of gracing life's stage?
8: Voting rights activists are expressing alarm after President Donald Trump signed an executive order Thursday creating a presidential advisory commission on election integrity. The move comes after Trump repeatedly claimed that Hillary Clinton won the popular vote in November because between three and five million people voted illegally. No evidence has ever been presented backing up his claim. On Thursday, Deputy White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders unveiled the plan for the new election integrity commission. I'd like to announce that the president also just signed another executive order establishing the bipartisan Presidential Advisory Commission on Election Integrity. The commission will review policies and practices that enhance or undermine the American people's confidence in the integrity of federal elections and provide the president with a report that identifies system vulnerabilities that lead to improper registrations and voting. Civil rights groups and several Democratic lawmakers denounced the Election Integrity Commission, suggesting it's designed to perpetuate the myth of voter fraud as a pretense for new policies that will make it harder to vote, policies such as voter ID laws, eliminating early voting, and prohibiting same-day voter registration. Particularly worrying to voting rights activists is the selection of Kansas Secretary of State Chris Kobach as the vice chair of the commission. Kobach has pushed for the strictest voter identification laws in the country and advocated for a proof-of-citizenship requirement at the state and federal levels. Meanwhile, a new report has called into question whether President Trump would have actually won Wisconsin during the 2016 presidential election without the state's strict voter ID law. The study, published by the progressive advocacy group Priorities USA, says the law suppressed the votes of more than 200,000 residents, the majority of whom were African-American and Democratic-leaning. President Trump won only about 23,000 more votes than Hillary Clinton in Wisconsin. Well, for more, we're joined by Ari Berman, senior contributing writer for The Nation, where he covers voting rights. His recent piece is headlined, Trump's Commission on Election Integrity Will Lead to Massive Voter Suppression. Explain why, Ari.
0: Well, I think it's first off, it's important to note this is not an election integrity commission. This is a voter suppression commission because there is no evidence of widespread voter fraud to investigate. Everyone who's looked at this, including Trump's own lawyers during the recounts in Michigan and other states, have said that the election was not tainted. By fraud. So the only reason to do this and the only reason to announce it this week, other than to soothe Trump's ego, other than to distract from the news about Comey and Russia, is to perpetuate the myth of voter fraud in order to lay the groundwork for policies that will suppress the vote.
8: So explain what the commission is all about, how so, it came about, what its history is, and what exactly it's going to do.
0: So I guess you could say the roots of it happened after the election, when Trump startled everyone by saying that he would have won the popular vote, except for the fact that millions of people voted illegally. He's subsequently tweeted this. He sub- subsequently said it. He's provided no evidence for these claims. And so it's an attempt, just like what he said about wiretapping. There was no evidence of it. Then he calls for an investigation. And so basically... He manufactured this issue, there was no evidence, and now we have an entire presidential commission designed to investigate it. There's going to be taxpayer money, some of the heaviest hitters in the Republican Party are part of this commission, and I think it's easy to just dismiss it as another laughable thing that Trump is doing to try to distract from the news, but the real worry here is that they're going to say all of these outlandish things About voter fraud. It's going to have the veneer of a presidential commission. And then they're going to say, oh, by the way, there's all this voter fraud. And now we should pass strict voter ID laws. We should pass proof of citizenship laws. We should cut early voting. We should purge the voting rolls. We shouldn't just do it in the states where it's already happening. We should do it on the national and federal level as well. So the president of the United States endorsing a policy of voter suppression, is absolutely chilling.
8: So, as you said, in January, President Trump called for this major investigation of voter fraud as he continued to falsely assert he lost the popular vote to Hillary Clinton because three to five million unauthorized votes were cast in the election. So, ABC anchor David Muir questioned Trump about those claims.
4: When you say, in your opinion, millions of illegal votes— That is something that is extremely fundamental to our functioning democracy, a fair and free election. You say you're going to launch an investigation into this. Done. What you have presented so far has been debunked. It's been called false. Take a look at the Pew report. I called the author of the Pew report last night. And he told me that they found no evidence really? of voter fraud. Really? Then why
5: fraud. did he write the report?
4: He said no evidence of voter Excuse fraud. Excuse me.
0: Then why did he write the report? So according, according to Pew Report, then he's then he's groveling again. You know, I always talk about the reporters that grovel when they want to write something that you want to hear, but not necessarily millions of people want to hear or have to hear.
8: So that's Donald Trump. Kansas Secretary of State Chris Kobach defended Trump's unfounded claim that millions of people illegally voted, supposedly costing Trump the popular vote. This is Kovac being questioned by reporters.
7: I think uh, the president-elect is absolutely correct when he says the number of illegal votes cast <laughs> exceeds the popular vote margin between him yeah, and Hillary Clinton at this point.
5: What tangible evidence is there that that actually
7: happened? Well, this is the problem with uh, aliens voting and aliens registering. There's no way you can look on the voter rolls and say, this one's an alien, this one's a citizen, this one's an alien. You, once a person gets on the voter rolls, you don't have any way of easily identifying them as aliens. And so you have to rely on post-election studies, like the Cooperative Congressional Election Survey, where you get data from aliens themselves saying, oh, yeah, I voted. It does appear that aliens do vote in very large numbers.
8: That was Crisco back back in November, right after the election, Ari Berman.
0: So all of the available evidence shows that voter fraud is a very small problem in American elections and that non-citizens voting is an even smaller problem in American elections. Because just think about it, Amy, if you're a non-citizen and you vote, you're risking deportation, you're risking a felony, you're risking never being able to vote again if you become a U.S. citizen. So all of these things are, are a huge risk to somebody. And people who are here either illegally or here legally but are non-citizens, the last thing they want to do is vote and get deported. So this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Just the numbers that we have show that in the 2016 election, the Washington Post found only four documented cases of voter fraud out of 135 million votes cast. It was .00002. 2% of total votes. State-based reviews since then have found at most a few hundred alleged cases of voter fraud, not millions. In Kansas, Chris Kobach is the only Secretary of State in the country with the power to prosecute voter fraud cases. He's only convicted nine people of voter fraud since 2014 out of 1.8 million registered voters in that state. He's only convicted one non-citizen of voting. So if this problem was as widespread—
8: citizen—did they vote for Trump?
0: There was, there was a different non-citizen who voted in Texas, not knowing that she was unable to vote. Because usually this is what it is. If you're a non-citizen and you vote, it's usually because you believe you're qualified. Because you have documents like a green card or like a driver's license, and you believe that you're part of the political process. And they may ask you at the DMV, do you want to register to vote? And you say yes, but it's nothing nefarious here. There was another case of someone who voted twice in Iowa for Donald Trump because she believed his claims that the elections were going to be rigged. So I'm not saying this never happens, but it's a very, very, very small problem. And usually it's human error, not some sort of massive conspiracy underway.